Welcome to At Home with Debbie Rule, where you can freely ask questions, share stories, and learn more about how to have a happy home, family, and healthy relationships. Well, good evening and welcome to At Home with Debbie Rule. Tonight we have a great show. We've been doing a parenting series the past few weeks called Who the Heck Are These Kids? Figuring out the personality of the parents and of the children. And tonight we're going to take just a slight different turn and we're going to be talking about the effects of domestic violence on children. Uh, Domestic Violence Awareness Month is October, so tonight we're going to dedicate tonight's program to... uh, giving a little bit of wisdom and insight on the effects of domestic violence on children's lives. And so we are so happy to be with you tonight. And if you haven't already written in or if you have any questions, you can text us at 325-428-6145. Also, if you're listening tonight and you would like to interact with our Facebook page, just go to At Home with Debbie Rule Facebook. We are happy to hear and share with our listeners your thoughts, stories, and testimonies over the next hour that we spend together. Every week I share these statements of how important I I believe the home is. I believe every home should be filled with family, friends, food, music, love, and celebration. But most of all, it should be a place to gather, to be cozy, to feel safe, and the peace of God. I feel honored to have those around me year-round, and I love to say I'm at home with family and friends. Stay tuned for Thoughts from Home. At Home with Debbie Rule, your talk show about home, family, and relationships. We'll be back. The Haven Family Shelter is a domestic violence and sexual assault shelter that serves men, women, and children who are victims of domestic violence and sexual assault in Mason, Menard, McCullough, Kimball, Concho, and surrounding counties. The Haven is dedicated to ending domestic violence and sexual assault. The Haven provides services such as 24-hour crisis intervention and hotline, 24-hour accompaniment for medical, law enforcement, or criminal justice. They provide legal advocacy, individual counseling, and the Haven is active in public education, prevention, and community awareness. Support your local domestic violence and sexual assault programs. Speak up about the abuse. Educate yourself and others. Help a friend in need and set an example. For more information on how you can help, call the Haven at 325-597-7644. Together, we can end domestic violence and sexual assault. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Domestic violence is also called intimate partner violence, domestic abuse, or relationship abuse. It is a pattern of behaviors used by one partner to maintain power or control over another person in an intimate relationship. Domestic violence does not discriminate anyone of age, race, sexual orientation, religion, or gender. Anyone can be a victim or perpetrator of domestic violence. It can happen to people who are married, living together, or who are dating. It affects people of all socioeconomic backgrounds and education levels. If you know of someone that is in a relationship that might be dangerous, please let them know that there is help out there. If you feel that you need help for domestic violence or you know someone, call today. Make the call. 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Or the Haven Family Shelter at 325-597-7644.
Well, welcome back to At Home with Debbie Rule. This is Thoughts from Home. Tonight, it's not going to be my thoughts from home, but rather the thoughts of kids that have been affected by domestic violence. What about us? Perspectives of children of domestic violence. This is their thoughts from children's homes that suffer from abuse. I was 14. My stepdad hit my mom, and he hit me. My mom handed me the phone and told me to call the police. We went to Anselma House. Then my mom got mad at me and said we could have figured it out on our own. That's the first time I went to a shelter. My dad pushed my mom, and he said the F word, the A word, and the S word. It made me sad and mad and very, very scared. My dad was pushing my mom halfway over the balcony. There was cement on the bottom. Mom called the police on him because he kept screaming at her, calling her bad names. This is everybody yelling to my mom. She used to be friends with my dad, but not anymore because he hit her. Our dads and moms are like being like scary daddy monster. He was drinking too much. He was smashing things. When I was a baby, my mommy and daddy broke up four times. This is how you might feel when your parents are fighting. Uncomfortable, mad, sad, scared. Run away. I feel mad and sometimes I feel lonely. I'm the girl with red hair and and I'm crying because I think my mom's gonna get hurt. When I was younger, I tried to get in between them, tried to get them to see the logic. I had courage back then. I just, I thought, if I could just fix it. When I got older, I gave up and didn't clean up their mess, just played video games and read books. Sometimes we climb on top of the couch and like we yell, one, two, three. Shut up! Sometimes I cover my ears like this. <sighs> it didn't work. So yeah, I plugged my ears too. So I tried to stop them. I usually just went outside to play. Some kids in my neighborhood started bugging me. And I'm like, just leave me alone. I just wanted to run away, run with my friends. Just run. We had to go to the park. And then you had to stay with my mom's friend. I was worried about my mom. Maybe she would get a black eye. It happened before. If I go into my brother's or sister's room, I don't really hear the fighting. When I was scared, I, I went somewhere to hide, somewhere safe. The garden was my safe place. No one would bring an argument outside because of the neighbors. So I stayed outside a lot. This is Chasey, my dog. I miss Chasey. We went, like, on the weekend to our dad's. My dog was jumping on me. Because every night, he was looking in every room, trying to find us. I wish my mom would find a true love. But she thinks she's too old and stuck. Maybe I could, you know, maybe I could make them be together. Maybe I could set them up something for them, like punch and stuff, and they might get back together again. 
I was really happy at the shelter. The staff were awesome. I went from being this person who was worried about everything and, well, you saved me. Welcome back to At Home with Debbie Rule, where tonight we are discussing the effects of domestic violence, uh, the effects of children, the effects of domestic violence with children. Uh, a lot of homes uh, that experience intimate partner violence uh, have children, and so um, we are going to learn what the effects of that abuse, uh, what that does to children and how different personalities of kids deal with that type of abuse. Um, You know, everyone deals with things differently, and certainly children are the same way. They uh, have their own way of dealing with things, and different personalities, of course, deal with trauma differently, and they uh, will exhibit symptoms of uh, stress and uh, those things in their life when they're um, dealing with trauma, and they deal with it in different ways, and they will um, act out in different ways. And so a lot of parents think that um, because they haven't actually had the abuse in the same room as the child, or maybe the child wasn't around when it was happening, or whatever the case may be, that the child is not going to be affected by uh, the abuse, and that is wrong. The um, child is always affected by the environment of domestic violence, whether the child witnesses it firsthand or whether they just witness the uh, aftermath of um, the beatings of a, of a parent, or maybe it's just uh, the anger of a parent. Maybe uh, they're verbally abused but not physically abused. Um, the definition of verbally abused, you know, a lot of people will argue with the fact that I'm just being a strict parent when it crosses over into being verbally abusive to a child. And so different kids deal with things differently. And the thing that we can all agree on is that every child that is living um, in a home that exhibits abusive behavior, domestic violence, intimate partner uh, violence, whenever a child is living in an environment that way, you can be sure that they are going to be affected by it one way or another. And like I was saying earlier, different personalities have a way of dealing with things differently. Um, We've been talking about the four different personalities um, from the true colors personality 
information. And uh, that's the orange, blue, green, and gold. And remember, uh, just a little brief description of the different colors. The orange personality, this is your child that's a very um, outgoing. They're enthusiastic. Uh, they're very much um, out there wanting to have a good time. They're not uh, really afraid of anything. They're just out there enjoying life. Um, when they're in a healthy environment, this is the type of um, personality that will come out in a child that has a temperament of the orange characteristics. Now, a blue child is your child that's more emotional. They're the ones that uh, have the imagination. They are going to um, be the ones that like playing house and school and with baby dolls. And um, they want to nurture things. Their purpose in life is to have a purpose in life and to help you uh, fulfill that purpose. They are um, genuinely concerned and sympathetic and compassionate. Uh, children and adults. And so uh, that's your blue personality. Your green personality, remember, is the one that has to deal with knowledge and intellect. Um, these children and adults can operate a little bit more independently uh, than the other two personalities I just described. They are okay with at home being on the computer or being on a uh, another type of device. They're actually the child that will be on that for a long time, you're the ones that has to, you know, have to take it away from them and say enough now. You've had enough viewing time. Uh, now you need to go do something else because they will just go everywhere and learn everything about every science uh, experiment to all the other things that are on YouTube uh, and things that they shouldn't probably be going to if it's got some type of learning uh aspect to it, they're going to go there because they are interested in learning. They're interested in increasing their knowledge. They're very independent. Uh, they're detached. They're not as emotional as the other two personalities. And they're okay with that. They're okay with being totally um, independent. And they uh, don't really like school as much, although they love knowledge and the intellectual part of it. They really don't like to conform to the structure um, of school as much as your um, next personality that I'm going to describe. And that's the gold personality. This is your um, people that are very traditional. Your kids are going to be the ones that are very submitted and obedient to authority. They uh, follow the rules at school. They have a certain a type of respect, a high regard for uh, teachers and administration, for parental uh, authority, for anyone that is over them and authority. They have a high regard for that. They respect rules and they know that things are right and wrong. They see it. Uh, they're kind of black and white and they want you to follow the rules just as they follow the rules. They are helpers. Uh, the gold personality is someone that really thrives on being a helper, and they want to be recognized for that. They need to be accepted and approved um, for the help that they do. And so here you have four different types of personality characteristics, but you have one problem called domestic violence. And you have kids that are outgoing, you have kids that are emotional, you have kids that are detached and independent, and you have kids kids that want to submit to authority and that will honor that authority whether it's right or wrong whether that authority is operating properly or improperly they're just going to be subject to that authority and so you can see how that can create a tremendous amount of 
um, trouble in children when they not only are having to deal with uh, most deal with post-traumatic stress disorder from uh witnessing and being affected by uh, domestic violence. They are finding that more and more and more um, after children have been exposed to that, that they're dealing with some of the symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. Also, they're dealing um, with a lot of other issues as well. It can cause uh, a lot of um, disabilities in school with them being able to learn and to um, just feel safe in that environment. Of course, they are shaken all over. It causes them to have uh, toxic stress syndrome where their body is constantly in that flight and fearful and wanting to, um, the body is trying to catch up with the adverse effects of that domestic violence. And so when they grow up and they become adults and they haven't dealt with that trauma, then of course now we have adults that are dealing with adverse childhood experiences. And domestic violence is um, a very difficult adverse childhood experience for a lot of adults to overcome. It causes a lot of trouble as uh, they grow and they mature. And so we want to just recognize that now. And if we recognize the different um, ways that children um, are being affected by domestic violence, then maybe we can help them individually. Not every child is a cookie-cutter child, as we've learned in parenting. We can't parent every child the same way. We can't help a child through trauma the same way, because every personality deals with trauma differently. An orange child, which is naturally outgoing and wants to be the life of the party, and they're uh, very much um, happy-go-lucky type child, Uh, they're probably going to still try to hang on to some of that, but they're going to be guarded. And um, a lot of insecurity is going to be in there. So out of that insecurity, you may have a lot more negative behavior that will come out, like the class clown, um, the kid that's always getting in trouble for just doing uh, things that they wouldn't normally do. Um, An orange has to have a lot of freedom and they have to have increased boundaries, but they will probably push those boundaries more. They will go overboard in some of their behaviors um, because they're just trying to deal with the stress of what's going on at home. A lot of teachers will pick out, pick up on this. A lot of negative behavior, especially in orange children that um, struggle with being obedient anyway, um, they're really going to react in a negative way. They're really going to be aggressive. Uh, a lot a lot of them will become very aggressive, more so in boys than there are in girls. But of course, girls can be just as aggressive. Even if they haven't witnessed aggression or physical abuse, they will still take on that uh, type of characteristic. They will still be aggressive with their friends and in a classroom setting uh, and in other settings uh, where they're relating with other children. So that's an orange personality and a um, blue personality. This is your child that's very emotional, uh, imaginative, and um, very nurturing and compassionate. They're going to have a lot of compassion for the parent that has been traumatized and that is being abused and controlled. But not only that, will they have compassion and sympathy for the perpetrator as well, because that's a parent. And you say, well, how could a child love a parent that is being abusive? Well, even out of fear and even out of duty, you know, some of them, they will still love that parent. There is a 
tie there. There is a relationship that is established. And so what a blue child will do is they will take on the shame, the guilt, the responsibilities of that perpetrator and the one that's being abused, and they will have a lot of compassion for them. And what a blue child will do is they will lie for that uh, parent that's being abusive. They will keep the secrets. They're not going to tell anybody about what's going on. And so they internalize a lot. This is internalizing and taking all of that in. So a blue child... um, Not any different than an orange child as far as the major effects of domestic violence being toxic. We have to deal with the different personalities. You've got your orange child that's going to be aggressive and act out. You've got your blue child that's going to cover up and not tell uh, any of the secrets. And they're going to internalize a lot of it. Instead of acting it out physically like an orange child, they internalize all of that pain and that anguish and shame and guilt. And they feel responsible uh, for the parent that is doing the abuse. So now we come to the green child, and the green child being very independent, detached, not as emotional, what they're going to deal with is they're going to deal with the fact um, that they've already got this detachment in naturally in their personality, they're going to even detach even more. So they're going to be the child that's kind of zoning out. Um, When you try to talk to them, they're kind of in another world. When they go to school, they're going to be um, hard for them to focus and to uh, do the work that needs to be done. They may struggle in school, even though they are highly intelligent kids. They may struggle in this area just because of the focus that's needed and the um, ability to just concentrate on what is going on because they are detaching from what's going on at home emotionally and a lot of times physically they'll want to remove themselves and go to a safe place just by themselves and they think that if they can isolate themselves they can protect themselves from being um, abused themselves or um, even causing any more trauma for the person that is being abused because they may feel responsible as well and so they think if they just remove themselves from the environment then what will happen is that the abuse will just go away and they pretend it's not there. And so um, that green child now is not just detached emotionally because of their temperament. Now they are detaching emotionally because of trauma. And that can be very, very um, difficult for you to be able to get that child back on track. So The gold child being very submissive to authority and very obedient child, following all the rules, again, is another personality that will take on the shame. They will take on the guilt and the responsibility. That's the biggest thing. They will take on the responsibility and they will feel like it is their fault. They will try to nurture and help the person that's being abused, but they will also try to help the perpetrator as well. And again, they may not feel like they can cover up because they know what's right and wrong, but because of a fear of authority, because a fear of a parental authority, they will um, be submissive. They, They will be quiet. If they're told to sit down and shut up, they will. And so, again, this personality will internalize and take a lot in as well um, as some of the others that we described tonight. So you can see that every child um, that's dealing with their primary personality color and then they have a secondary personality color, most people. And um, so now you've got your primary 
personality characteristics and then some secondary characteristics. And now you've had had trauma that you've put into the um, equation. And so not are we trying not only now are we trying to fix some um, weaknesses within our own temperament, but now we're adding trauma to that. And we've got to dig a little deeper now to even get to the root of those problems to help them be able to be redirected. And that's what we need to do. A lot of these kids need therapy. They need the counseling to help them redirect bad behavior. They've got to be told it wasn't their fault. They need to have permission to feel a certain way, but not to take responsibility on that is faulty, um, that is not theirs. They need to know that being obedient to a parent, yes, they be obedient to a parent, but they never lie to authorities. They always tell the truth. Um, because these are things that they're going to be programmed to maybe not do. And you're going to have to redirect all of that now to help them become healthy. Because the older they get, and especially a personality that's internalizing like a blue child, they are internalizing all of this pain. And you can just imagine um, what happens then after several years of being exposed to that and internalizing that. The stress, the, the toxic stress that's happening in their body, what is happening to them physically and emotionally and in every personality every child is dealing with that stress they're dealing with that um, poison that's in their body emotionally and physically and it does affect them physically and so the last part of the program we're going to hear from a couple of judges uh, a judge carol j kelly which is an administrative judge over domestic violence division uh, and then we are going to hear from Judge Orlando Prescott, which is an administrative judge over the juvenile division. And both of these judges, I believe, are in the Louis state of Louisiana. Um, but they're not going to get into laws. They're going to just get into specifics of how you can help your child um, that has been exposed to domestic violence and what you can do to prevent that and what actually happens to the child physically and emotionally when they are exposed to that. So stay with us. We've got a lot more coming on coming up with at home with Debbie rule tonight as we discuss domestic violence, which October is domestic violence awareness month. We are talking about the effects of domestic violence on children and the effects on children with different personalities, how we, how it affects them differently and what we can do to help them overcome and even adults that need to overcome the trauma of domestic violence they are overcoming adverse childhood experiences there is help and there is counseling and there is a way out and you can become whole and healthy stay with us there's a lot more coming up right here on at home with debbie rule we'll be back a child who lives with domestic violence lives in darkness she sees things no child should see, and hears things no child should hear. She struggles to separate her nightmares from reality because there's very little difference. The child who lives with domestic violence isn't afraid of the dark. She's afraid of her dad because the monster doesn't live in her closet. It's just down the hall. And when she grows up, she'll be more likely to be abused. And her brother? He'll be twice as likely to become a monster himself, because that's the world they know. When a woman lives with domestic violence, she's completely devastated, because the person she should be able to turn to has turned on her. 
and she thought he'd change once they got married, had a child, or when he got a better job. But he never did. And she's tried to make things better, but she can't make him stop. So when she locks the door at night, she's not keeping danger out. She's keeping it in. And she feels hopeless, ashamed, and completely trapped. When a woman lives with domestic violence, she hears voices. And she feels completely alone. But she's not the only one. Maybe you don't live with domestic violence. Maybe you don't wake up every day shaking or jump every time the phone rings. But maybe you should look a little harder. Maybe it's a friend, a coworker, or your neighbor. And maybe you could offer support, a number to call, or point to a way out. Your help could make all the difference. We need everyone to bring domestic violence into the light. Welcome back to At Home with Debbie Brewer, where tonight we are talking about domestic violence and children and how this affects children and their different personalities. And we're going to close the program tonight with uh, a segment with um, a couple of judges that are going to be narrating the program. They're going to be talking to some medical doctors and some psychologists on what happens to children that have been affected by domestic violence physically and emotionally. Uh, So hope you enjoy this segment of At Home with Debbie Rule. Hello, I'm Judge Carol Kelly. And I'm Judge Orlando Prescott. We've worked with families affected by domestic violence for many years. We've learned a great deal and we want to share this with you. So we created this video presentation which will teach you about the effect that exposure to violence has on children. Our hope is that by learning about how your actions or inaction can hurt your child, you will take the necessary steps to stop the violence in your home. We believe that most parents love their children. Your child's life and well-being is in your hands. Family violence refers to any form of violence by or toward a family member. Domestic violence is a crime. Many times domestic violence relationships also include assaultive or coercive controlling behaviors. These include name calling, jealousy, verbal threats, put downs, saying bad things in front of the children, and controlling money. Whether it be physical or verbal, financial or emotional, Abusive behavior towards another parent harms your child. Domestic violence has long-lasting and serious consequences for your child. Many people are unaware of the lifelong impact that exposure to domestic violence has on children. And whenever we speak of children, this includes babies. As you'll learn in this presentation, babies are often hurt the worst if they're living in a home where abuse is occurring. Their fragile brains and resulting development are injured by exposure to violence. Children are traumatized when their parents fight. We hope that for those of you who are violent, 
threatening, or controlling towards your spouse or your child's parent, the next time you feel anger rising within you, you will stop, take a breath, think of your child, and remember that threats, violence, and arguments will cause direct injury to your child. So stop, breathe, think about your child, and leave the situation. For those of you that are living with a violent, threatening, or controlling partner, we ask that you take a moment to stop. Take a breath, look at your life, and remember that exposure to threats and violence will cause direct injury to your child. So leave as soon as you can and seek help for you and your children. Many parents that come to court believe that unless a child directly observes the violence towards the other parent, the child will not be affected and won't know. This is not true. Children don't have to see or directly witness physical violence to be affected by it. We know that children who are exposed to violence in the home are affected. Exposure means seeing, but it also includes being anywhere in the home where violence, threats, verbal abuse, or fighting is occurring, or seeing or experiencing the aftermath of violence, such as a parent with injuries, the home in disarray, property damage in a home, or a parent crying or distressed. Many parents say that their children weren't present in the room when the violence or fight occurred, and therefore they don't know anything about it. We know from interviews of thousands of children that the majority of children are keenly aware of their parents' relationship and threats and all of the violence and fighting in their home, whether they're in the room or not. Children are traumatized by exposure to violence. Children know. Children know. You can't be a good parent and abuse your child's other parent. You are a role model. If you love your children, pay attention to this information and learn about what is happening to them when they're exposed to domestic violence. We are hopeful that if you learn that your acts of violence against the other parent directly, substantially, and severely hurt your children, then maybe, if only of love for your children, if for no other reason, you will stop the violence now. First impressions about children's brain development. Because of the way the brain works, you will always remember your very first roller coaster ride. Storing these new experiences is one of the brain's main jobs. In fact, your brain creates a mental blueprint of every new experience you have. A blueprint for any new touch is stored in one part of the brain. A blueprint for any new sound in a different part. And a blueprint for any new sight in still another part. But as powerful as that first roller coaster ride was, it can't compete with the lingering effects of your brain's earliest experiences. Although you have no conscious memory of this part of your childhood, it is these very first experiences that literally become the building blocks for your whole life. Unlike other organs, the brain is undeveloped at birth and it is waiting for experiences to shape how it will develop. The amazing thing about the human brain is that the younger you are, the more sponge-like your brain is, which is the reason that children in three years can learn language, can learn to walk, can do all kinds of incredible things. But the very same biological sponginess that allows us to rapidly acquire language 
is also the same sponginess that makes young children more vulnerable to trauma than older children. We have the opportunity to do police ride-alongs to a domestic violence situation, and so this was actually the first call I ever rode along. It was dinner time, and they were having spaghetti for dinner. It was dripping down the walls, the kitchen table was overturned, and we had three children in the household. Looking at this whole situation at the time, we said, uh, no evidence of physical harm, the kids are fine. We learned differently, of course. The boy in the corner was classic behavior that we see with kids who have had chronic exposure to violence. He would just completely zone out, numb out, as things started to get scary. The six-year-old little girl on the chair blames herself for what's going on. But actually, it was four years later that we really appreciated uh, who had some of the most profound or severe harm coming out of this situation, and that was the six-month-old baby who was now four and a half and had seriously injured another child in preschool. It's literally the opposite of the way most people think about this. Most people think young children, they don't really understand what's going on and they're resilient, but the fact is if anybody's impacted more severely, it's the younger child. The brain is put together like building blocks in a sense. Those first blocks that go together are the more primitive area, the survival brain. The brain develops from the bottom to the top and from the inside out so that the normal development of the top part of the brain depends upon healthy development of lower parts of the brain. The top part of the brain, where you do all of your thinking, is the part of the brain that is most changeable, easiest to modify. But unfortunately, if a child has developmental experiences of threat and exposure to domestic violence, the lower parts of the brain will be impacted and they're harder to change as they get older. He was never physically abusive, but he was verbally abusive. There was a lot of, lots and lots of screaming in front of the kids, berating, you know, putting me down, and they pretty much hurt it all. Children exposed to domestic violence, children who, who witness their parents fighting, literally are experiencing a state of fear. And when this happens, the systems in your brain that are involved in thinking at the top part of your brain are literally shut down. It changes the brains of these children. The tragic reality of children growing up in domestic violence is that they end up with mental health problems at a rate higher than children who are actually the direct victims of physical abuse. Childhood exposure to violence uh, is about living in a, a threatening, scary environment that may escalate to physical violence, but it often doesn't have to. It's the, the chaos, the uncertainty, the fear of being in a home where things aren't okay. It's really important for parents to understand that their internal state, whether it's calm or whether it's alert engagement or whether it's frustration and anger, whether it's sadness, depression, the baby absorbs these internal states. As you've just learned from the first impressions, children in homes with domestic violence, threats, and even loud arguments end up physically, emotionally, and intellectually damaged. Children's brains are damaged by stress and anxiety. Is your home a place where children feel safe? Are you doing all that you can to make sure your children are not exposed to adult behavior that would harm them?
Toxic stress. This results from frequent activation of a child's stress response. This occurs when a child's aware of parents fighting. Think about how these stressful situations could affect your child. Learning to deal with stress is an important part of healthy development. When experiencing stress, the stress response system is activated. The body and brain go on alert. There's an adrenaline rush, increased heart rate, and an increase in stress hormone levels. When the stress is relieved after a short time, or a young child receives support from caring adults, the stress response winds down and the body quickly returns to normal. In severe situations, such as ongoing abuse and neglect, where there is no caring adult to act as a buffer against the stress, the stress response stays activated. Even when there is no apparent physical harm, the extended absence of response from adults can activate the stress response system. Constant activation of the stress response overloads developing systems with serious lifelong consequences for the child. This is known as toxic stress. Over time, this results in a stress response system set permanently on high alert. In the areas of the brain dedicated to learning and reasoning, the neural connections that comprise brain architecture are weaker and fewer in number. Science shows that the prolonged activation of stress hormones in early childhood can actually reduce neural connections in these important areas of the brain at just the time when they should be growing new ones. Toxic stress can be avoided if we ensure that the environments in which children grow and develop are nurturing, stable, and engaging. As you just learned, a child's physical and hormonal response to toxic stress greatly impairs a child's development. The good news is, is that it's not too late to help your child heal. You have the choice as the parent to provide your child with a stable, nurturing environment. You are in control of your actions. Your child can recover and heal from these wounds if he or she receives trauma-informed services. We want your child to heal. But you must be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Babies respond to stimuli and lack of stimuli. This experiment where a baby is ignored for only two minutes. Babies this young are extremely responsive to the emotions and the reactivity and the social interaction that they get from the world around them. This is something that we started studying oh, 30, 40 years ago when people didn't think that infants could engage in social interaction. In the still face experiment, what the mother did was she sits down and she's playing with her baby who's about a year of age. I need my girl. Oh. And she gives a greeting to the baby, the baby gives a greeting back to her. This baby starts pointing at different places in the world and the mother's trying to engage her and play with her. They're working to coordinate their emotions and their intentions, what they want to do in the world. And that's really what the baby is used to. And then we ask the mother to not respond to the baby. The baby very quickly picks up on this 
And then she uses all of her abilities to try and get the mother back. She smiles at the mother. She points because she's used to the mother looking where she points. Yeah. The baby puts both hands up in front of her and says, what's happening here? She makes that screechy sound at the mother, like, come on, why aren't we doing this? Even in this two minutes when they don't get the normal reaction, they react with negative emotions, they turn away, they feel the stress of it, they actually may lose control of their posture because of the stress that they're experiencing. It's a little like the good, the bad, and the ugly. The good is that normal stuff that goes on, that we all do with our kids. The bad is when something bad happens, but the infant can overcome it. After all, when you stop the still face, the mother and the baby start to play again. The ugly is when you don't give the child any chance to get back to the good there's no reparation, and they're stuck in that really ugly situation. So you see the baby's reaction when the baby is ignored for only two minutes? If domestic violence is occurring in your home, your baby is experiencing more than just being ignored for a few minutes. If you are committing violence, if you're threatening your partner, if you're arguing loudly, your baby is aware and experiencing toxic stress. Your baby is being hurt. You are hurting your child. It's not just your child's brain that's being damaged by exposure to violence. Exposure to violence shortens your child's telomeres. Shorter telomeres results in a shorter lifespan. This news report about the effect that exposure to violence has on your child's health and life. If you think your child is resilient, a new study may have you thinking again. Researchers at Tulane University say children who are exposed to violence may not show it on the outside, but can actually be genetically changed by it. WDS anchor Latanya Norton is on your side to explain the serious health risk associated with this kind of stress on a child. So my kids went through Katrina. I'm like, they're going to be fine. They're resilient, right? They bounce back. And what we're seeing is that they may look like they're bouncing back on the outside but that they may have this kind of scar. A scar in their DNA. Researchers say children may not be as invincible as parents may think. A new study by Dr. Stacy Drury of Tulane University finds that family violence leaves a genetic imprint on children. Dr. Drury took genetic samples of 80 children in New Orleans between the ages of 5 and 15. She found that children in homes affected by incarceration, suicide, or domestic violence had shorter telomeres. Telomeres are the protective caps on chromosomes. The shorter the telomeres, the shorter the lifespan, and the greater the risk of heart disease, obesity, mental illness, hypertension, and diabetes. A little bit of stress is good, but too much stress or chronic stress sort of puts your body on high alert. And if your body is on high alert for so long, it kind of starts to do damage to the organs. 
you can help save your children from these scars to their DNA by stopping the abuse of your partner. If you're abusive, you need to be accountable for the harm that you're inflicting, not only on your adult partner, but also on your child. Domestic violence is a crime. Domestic violence can be committed by men or women. However, statistically, men commit the violence against women in the majority of cases. We know that most men who use violence have suffered from abuse and exposure to violence themselves. We need to stop this cycle of violence and abuse. It stops with you. If you witnessed your parent being threatened or abused, think back on how bad that made you feel, how scared, how angry, how helpless. Do you want to do this to your kids? You have the opportunity right now to face who you are and how you act. You have the opportunity right now to change your behavior. You have the opportunity right now to take the steps necessary to be a good parent. You have the opportunity right now to ask for and receive help with your issues. You have the opportunity to give your child a chance to heal and get well. We know from many scientific studies that when babies grow up in homes with an abusive parent present, their brains do not develop properly and their IQs are lower. We know that these children have emotional scars and often lack empathy. They have an inability to attach to others. We know that these children have much greater rates of mental health disorders, including depression, anxiety, and suicidal thoughts. We know that these children have shorter telomeres, which are the building blocks necessary for strong hearts lungs, bones, and every system in their body. Your child's lifespan will be shorter if you expose them to fighting and violence. The following is a mother's story about how domestic violence in the home had lasting consequences on the behavior of her children. We know that the cycle of violence repeats itself. If your son witnesses violence towards women, he will likely commit violence against women. If your daughter witnesses violence against women, she will likely be a victim of violence. Is that what you want for your child? You're a role model. Children repeat the behavior they see. The impact that it had on my children, I actually had no idea at the time. I believed that I sheltered them from most of what happened and kept them safe. And time, and that was eight years ago now, and time has shown me that they were impacted far more drastically than I thought. For years I stayed because I believed it was what was right to do for them and now I believe that it's best to leave a relationship like that because of the impact it has on them. They were traumatized to an end that I, I'm not sure I can even describe. They understand relationships between partners to be abusive. They understand that it's okay to be disrespectful and it's okay to be a bully. Um, they all suffered impact through school. Uh, we have dealt with drug and alcohol dependencies, uh, issues with the law. So it has been really far-reaching in how it's impacted them. Exposure to violence and toxic stress damages your child's brain. The positive news is that children's brains can be healed and rewired. How? By creating new positive experiences to counteract the negative ones. It's not too late to change your behavior. Not only will it change your life for the better, but it will also help your children heal and grow into healthy adults. One of the great things about brain science that we've learned is till the day you die, 
you have the ability to add new neurons in your brain, that the brain is more like skin uh, in the sense that it can rewire and heal itself in the most important area, the cortex. We have the capacity to heal and do better. The biggest thing we can do for kids exposed to violence is how many healthy adults can they connect to. I did a lot of my childhood in other people's homes, so um, I saw what positive relationships were about. I saw my friends were normal, you know, they didn't have the rage I had. Seeing parents that were together, that showed affection. Home dinners where everybody sat together, those are the things that I realized were important. And instead of being envious, I incorporated it into my life. I wanted to be a part of that. I know school is what made a difference for me. The teachers, the attention I got, letting me know that I could be somebody and I could do something. In fact, my oldest son, his teachers, you know, all six of them were very instrumental in coming forward and providing him support when he needed. They allowed him to be homeschooled to give him time to heal. The hardest part about being a parent now is trying to be different than how my parents raised me. Am I being a good father? What do I need to do? to help you feel safe in your home. That's the part, the brain development part, that I think um, we want him to know what normal is for us. And normal is having people who support you and who love you and who want to take care of you. And that want that to be his normal life. It's one of those pay me now or pay me later. And the truth is, children who are good at self-regulation, good at self-soothing, don't cry very much and end up being if you will, successful, are children who have had incredibly attentive early caregiving, which some people unfortunately think of as spoiling. It's exactly the opposite. Rather than spoiling the newborn, what you're doing is you are building in healthy self-regulation. So those are the things that I want to create an environment for my baby where he gets the benefit of, of what I've learned from all these experts and also other parents and believe me they're experts too. The most important thing that parents need to understand is that the brain of their child will become exactly what the child was exposed to. If you want your child to be kind then you have to be kind to your child. If you want your child to be good at self-regulation and not lose their temper you have to not lose your temper. And that's the beauty of the human brain. It is a mirror to the child's developmental experience. If you are violent, controlling, yelling, jealous, threatening, possessive, mean, or in any other ways abusive to your child's parent, you are abusing your child. The next time that you feel that you're losing control, getting angry and want to lash out, Take a moment and in your mind, picture your child's face. Concentrate on that for a moment and remember what you learned here. If you act badly, you will hurt your child. If you're a victim of domestic violence, it's not your fault that your partner's abusive. No one can make another person lose control and act violently. But remember that your child gets hurt each time you get hurt. If you return to an abusive relationship, more likely than not, you'll be putting your child back in harm's way. There is help for families caught in the cycle of violence. There's specific counseling for abusive partners, victims of domestic violence, and children from abusive homes. 
each member of the family needs counseling ask the court or the national state or local domestic violence agencies about how to receive help there is a community who wants you and your children to be safe and well your children's health depends on you your children's future depends on you take the necessary steps to save your child thank you thank you well, that's going to do it for us tonight as we've been discussing domestic violence and the effects of domestic violence on children and their different personalities. We hope you've enjoyed this program tonight, and thank you so much for being with us and inviting us into your home. We always love hearing from you and spending Sunday evening with you, sharing our thoughts about home, family, and relationships. From our home to yours, I'm Debbie Rule. We'll see you next week right here at 6 p.m. on KNEL 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com. Don't forget to join us next week at 4.30 for our a live broadcast from Halloween in the Heart. And then at 6 o'clock, we will kick off the hour with At Home with Debbie Rule and a special story. So gather the kids around for The Cat in the Hat and Halloween. I hope you guys have a blessed week, and we'll see you next week right here on 95.3 FM and KNELradio.com. Thank you for joining us today for At Home with Debbie Rule. You can be at home with Debbie Rule every Sunday on KNEL 95.3 FM at canielradio.com. Follow At Home with Debbie Real on Facebook and podcast on iTunes. See you next week at home with Debbie Real for more insights on home, family, and relationships.